0: The MX Vice Show.
1: everybody welcome to episode 153 of the mx vice show we have another action-packed show ready for today as i'm joined by the great man in lorenzo Restor again but before we welcome him we'd like to thank parts europe for sponsoring this one parts europe distributes spare parts accessories and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in europe we support the sport tagline as fortified to the thor and moose house brands and their support of world elite mx riders like lander prado langenfelder guadadini jonas bogus and nine times world champion thor ambassador tony cairoli your parts europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike neck pro circuit fmf odi Cycrat, Renthal, recluse and many many more are in stock and ready to be shipped check out their website at parts europe.eu or contact your local parts europe dealer with a dealer network of over ten thousand shops we're sure there is one close to you All right, Lorenzo, thanks again for joining us, mate. It's been a little while since we've had a chat, but it was a massive year for you and it's been pretty busy still leading up to it. So how are you? And I'm sure the fans are great to get you back
0: on. Uh, Yeah, that's always a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a while. You know, it's um, a kind of uh, moment of the season where, uh, okay, I had a few stuff to do, of course, with Aikma and uh, all those stuff. But uh, there is also a moment where after a long time uh, on the field, uh, you like also to take a little bit, you know, uh, to, to make a step back and uh, to look from uh, a little bit uh, further what, uh, what what is happening, because uh, otherwise you need to de-intoxicate, uh, you <laughs> know, from a long, long season. Really exciting, really nice. Uh, still, probably the next one will be even better. Uh, as Things look really, really, really good for many reasons. So, yeah, it's time to recharge the batteries, I would say.
1: Yeah, mate, it's been a massive season all around and it really stretches out with the WSX and obviously the Australian Supercross Series only finishing a couple of weeks ago. So, no, it's really good to talk to you again, mate. It's always a pleasure to get you on and even the fans and even Paul Pearcy, the stats master at MX Vice, he's definitely looking forward to this one. We've got some stats coming out with him tomorrow as well. So, he says all the best too, mate. So, just tell us a little bit about the last sort of month, I guess. How was your role at ICMA? very busy time of year there so much going on and obviously being yeah. Italian and Italy as you're a man, yeah, it's in a and, man uh... for sure and how was that for you?
0: Yeah you know EICMA is uh, it's kind of the moment that you wait for the, the one year and then uh, when you arrive there it's a kind of a big washing machine you enter there you start turning around for one week so I spent uh, almost a week there six days really busy uh, but it's always a pleasure you meet so much so many people and uh, there's so much stuff to do. That is, uh, it's amazing. Uh, There are a few moments where you, like I follow Tony, for example, during a few of his meetings, stuff or stuff stuff like that. And it's uh, amazing because you run around, actually really run around to behind him or in front of him just to protect him a little bit. So that's a kind of, I can't say bodyguard work, but it seems like. And on the other hand, I'm always busy with the Motolive uh, experience, that is where the area where we do races that are really nice, honestly. Uh, we had the European uh, Supercross Championship final. We had the International Italia Supercross finals and many more, more races. Um, the news uh, some this year was uh, the Maximum Duro Trophy. And that was quite a cool one because... And next year will be even better because uh, this year we had three factory bikes. Uh, was KTM with uh, Johnny Aubert. They were there like officially. Then Alessandro Boturi, that is a specialist for the car, and he was there with the factory Yamaha. And then there was Antoine Meo with the factory Desert X uh, from Ducati. And it was honestly to see to look those monsters, uh, uh, twin cylinders, uh, maxi duro uh, fighting in a little arena. Uh, in the sand and jumping so high and going so fast. It was one versus one duel, you know, Uh, and it was honestly so cool. Uh, I think the crowds were really mad about because, uh, yeah, it's like if you bring a Formula One in, I don't know, in, in a park, in a city, you know, so it's really, of course, not the specific ground where they... Uh, they, they they give their best with the bike, but in the meantime it's really, really spectacular. So that, that was a, a cool one. So yeah, it was a busy weekend, and going around also for the Gas Gas Bedini uh, Factory Juniors, that finally was announced as a Factory Junior team. Uh, that's a big, big program because uh, it's a big step for the team. Uh, they are still, I mean, they are doing already preparation for next year with two riders. Uh, that's the new Danish kid meds Fred so that uh, is looking really well. So at the moment, they're just building up the pace for the for the riders, the physical uh, uh, base uh, with, with training. And they start now going training a little bit with the bikes, doing some technical stuff before then uh, pushing for the speed uh, with the new, new year. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, it has been a really busy time, uh, but now everything is finalized. And uh, I have to say that this project looks really, really well the bike was exposed for the first time at Aekma uh, with the, that was Valerio Lata's bike and that's also it was nice for him nice for the sponsors and i have to say also that all the sponsors that were with us uh, they keep uh, to stay on board and uh, that's uh, always the sign that you have been working in the right way well and uh, i have to say thanks for, for to the KTM group for uh, of course they trust in the team uh, and the people who works in the team and in the project, uh, because now the team become the is the junior team for the Dakarly structure. So it means that they will try to build up uh, the youngest rider that were then going uh, to the Dakarly team if, of course, they deserve it. So, for example, to 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 give you an example, if Valerio uh, will do pretty well during the next uh, EMX 250 season, uh, fighting for the title or winning the title uh, or just express himself as a uh, uh, with the potential is he is able to to show, then it's possible that he will get a place in the in the factory team. If not, maybe in another factory team still in the group but the project is really to work alongside with with the factory uh, Red Bull Gas Gas uh, team and to uh, work with them to provide them with the best young talents uh, available on the market for for Gas Gas brand so it's uh, quite a big responsibility Uh, but Joaquin for Beta is doing a great job honestly so uh, you know it's involved deeply involved and uh, And everyone in the team uh, that is growing, of course, because uh, more needing from like workers, mechanics and so everything is growing and building up in a a nice way. And it's uh, always a really nice satisfaction, you know, when you have been uh, working behind the scene a little bit and try to fix the right connection with everything. And at the end, everything is coming together in in the right way. Even if you stand a little bit behind as I'm doing it, uh, it it's a big satisfaction. So I'm, I'm really proud about this. And uh, I'm honestly more, even more proud about uh, the huge step that Joaquin have made by himself, uh, from being a rider to being a team manager, a property manager, that is able to take uh, decisions and to uh, work in the right uh, direction. Awesome, mate. Well said. It's really
1: exciting times ahead and there's certainly been a lot of gas-gas stuff in the news lately. Obviously, Marc-Antoine Rossi announced for the Carly team in MX2. He's going to be an absolute hotshot, isn't he, mate? We've seen what he can do in EMX 250 and in MX2 as well this year in France and he's just an absolute talent, isn't he? One of those rare talents we've discussed in the past. Just really exciting to see what he can do fully expect him to be mixing it up in the top five top 10 from the off and i guess the big gas gas news is obviously prado doing the first three rounds of supercross mate we've spoken heaps about it. there's been so many rumors he's been doing a lot of media teasing all about it so it's going to be fascinating to see how that pans out and you know it's sort of like a pretty confident himself to obviously feel that he's up to it It really not much time obviously he did it all those years ago when he was really young but obviously that little bit of training he felt confident he felt like he's up to it obviously like we always say it's one thing riding it the next thing's racing supercross and those intimidating cauldrons like it'll be at A1 mate it's going to be so much on his plate and it's going to be a massive event isn't it mate I don't know if you plan on going there but it's going to be huge the buzz at A1 but do you think he's made the right decision I guess you've got to admire the bravery of attacking that challenge and he doesn't need to do it yet and I was speaking to Jason Thomas and he was saying maybe you should just focus on the MXGP because it's a lot to take on and then go to race maybe do it 100% like finish the MXGP season then just fully focus on it give yourself a whole season to sort of attack it because it's not like he's Going 250 class, he's going straight 450 class. So the steps massive, mate. But I suppose he's got to be commended for the bravery and sort of rising to the challenge. So your take on some of those gas gas guys, and obviously the Prado decision, which is fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating, as you say, well, well said. Because uh, um, it's not every day that you see this. And if you look, for example, of uh, the decision that was made by Tom Vial to go to USA to try to be involved in uh, in Supercross, and you see the results at the end, the uh, that are at the moment not like super astonishing you know uh it's not uh there's a, absolutely not a domination uh, there's uh, uh even some struggle still to uh to, to get the job done as we 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 saw also in paris uh, uh with, with tom that wasn't uh, the, the easiest uh, thing to do but then there is a sort of uh, of course of uh, dream that uh comes true and i think for many riders not all but many riders the dream is still to go to USA to race one day uh, in Anaheim, to race one day in places like that in front of a fantastic crowd and being a part of this incredible show because what they miss, because I'm asking to myself sometimes, I'm always a little bit sad when I see uh, our, our, I say our talents going there, you know, uh, from Musken uh, to Ferrandis, from Roxen to the Lawrence brothers, even if they are not European, like in the for the Lawrence, um, I'm always a little bit sad uh, because we miss them. Uh, that's f- for sure. Imagine if we had an MXGP season uh, in 450 with Cairoli, Musken, Roxen, Fevre, Geiser, uh, you know, all yeah. those talents. Uh, Seawear and all the guys that were going down uh, to America. I mean, not down, but going to America. Uh, racing. It could have been like, I don't know, uh, MXGP of the nation at every race, you know, something incredible. But then, of course, there's this kind of uh, dream going to America. It's still a dream for many. Um, this kind of opportunity of uh, also um, transforming uh, your talent and your skills into huge money. Uh, and this is a big difference. Of course, the top talented rider in in Europe, they're not riding for free uh, there are contracts with 1 million euros uh, or, or more but I think that compared to USA there's a difference of uh, uh, also popularity and a difference of what the sport can give you back because you give a lot to the sport but then uh, being a part of such a big show, I think, is a kind of reward that you cannot buy. You know, when you, when you enter a stadium and you're there uh, with uh, uh, with yourself in front of, I don't know, eighty thousand people cheering for you or for some someone else, um, it's different than going to, I don't know, Mantova and doing a GP in front of five thousand people uh, with a great paddock time or stuff like that you know so that's a kind of uh, um, dream that is be a part of uh, something that is bigger than uh, than what you are used to and I think that Jorge uh, had this dream he said when he was a kid but he's always he's also someone that is understanding that is probably the right moment to do it uh, doing those three races I was Asking to myself as a former team manager, uh, if it happens to you, will you allow your rider to go in there and racing three supercross events in the main class one month before the beginning of the championship? My first answer was honestly, no, I would not do it as for me it's not acceptable because the risk is really high, because uh, everything can happen. And you don't have, mostly, you don't have under control the situation. You're not it with another team, with other people, other mechanics. So um, there's a lot behind Jorge here in Europe. There's a big team, there's a factory, there's uh, families that are uh, working and depending on this work. So personally, my first answer would have been no, I would not send you there. Then I think that we have to use a, a different uh, uh, way of measuring the stuff because Jorge uh, achieved everything in Europe and want to go there. And the KTM group in general, the peer mobility group, I uh, would say to include all the brands, need uh, will need a rider, good riders there because they're suffering a little bit. The program with KTM looks really nice now in the main class. Uh, with the youngster, I think they're still struggling a little bit with all the brands. So they really need to bring up back the attention on what they do in America. So yeah, I think the feeling for, for example, for, for Pete Bayer is like, oh man, we lose our biggest talent uh, in, in Europe, but we, we we are using him in, in some way in America. So. It's always a, a mixed feeling. So in this way, the operation ever sense also because for him it was like uh, uh, when at the beginning of the winter he went there testing. Uh, I think it was really really uh, slow the progression. He started tra- trying to see where was where he was, how was his level, and then he was start pushing. And around him, um, the people that are used to. Uh, being close to Supercross, were well, like surprised, really surprised, and and himself, I was, he was really surprised. So this decision that was made probably two months ago and now is out, the news is out, but was made at the end of the first uh, uh, attempt uh, of training in California. While he, he understood that he, he could have the, he, he can have the potential to be there fighting for for the top five probably positions, but then doing three races. It means, of course, uh, really uh, having, uh, you know, the proof that you can do it. Because if you do three races, okay, injury apart, you do three races and you are around the 10th position, I think you may uh, analyze again the situation and take a different uh, decision for 2025. So for your entire career. If everything goes pretty well and pretty easy, because he will not push, he's a smart guy. First of all, we have to understand Jorge is one of the smartest there. And so I think he will try to be away from problems and doing it in a smart way. So he will know if we put 60, 70% of his potential and it comes out with the top five, Well, I think he can really uh, program to go there and ending his career there. Uh, We we saw many riders going there, uh, probably even less talented than Jorge and succeed. Uh, Like Dylan Ferrandis is the European rider that won most of uh, uh, every time in, in America. In Europe, it was always a really good rider, a super talented rider with a really special character. But... Not as Jorge, you know what I mean. So if Jorge is able to put all the pieces together there, with the way he is, so smart, the way he's also, uh, you know, is, is someone that is, um, is a is a fucking bastard on track. It's not uh, it's not a, a guy who is there just doing his job. He knows what he wants and he's able to to take it in one way or another one, being always correct, but playing mentally really strongly, really hard with with his And like we we saw this year with with Fevre. And on the other hand, his technique, his rider technique is fantastic. The precision of his riding. Don't forget that he comes from trial and he was probably the best trial rider, probably a little step behind Tony Boo or like Tony Boo. It was incredible when he was young. Then he decided to go to motocross and he succeed like not many are able to do. And now is the next step. So he can do it for sure. But doing this test, at the end, I had to reconsider my mind and to say, yeah, it's a smart thing. And if he gets injured, what everyone hopes no, it's a part of the work. Geiser was injured in International Italia and he lost his season for almost... Uh, someone else was injured during a photo shooting in Spain and he lost the complete season. Someone else was mm, during the Paris Supercross in November and then he lost the complete season. I mean, injuries are a part of our job. We cannot take our decision based on the potential or the possibility to get injured. Uh, this decision was not made by just a, an idea or, oh man, I would like to do this without program." This decision is made after a long, long reflection and uh, it's a part of a long-term program. So, yeah, uh, I'm happy that he goes there for him. I'm a little bit sad for myself. I hope I'm able to go and look for him one race at least. Uh, I would like, honestly, to go to San Diego, that is one my, one of my favorite towns in uh, in USA. And, uh, and yeah, uh, I hope for him and for, for the p Mobility Group that everything goes well because then it will be really exciting and i uh, think i will have one more reason to follow supercross 2025
1: oh absolutely mate it's really good insight and excellent thoughts there mate because yeah you obviously know him so well you know the team framework around him so well so yeah these decisions don't just get made in a rush and you know they're really calculated really thought out and like we said mate all the best to him and you know it's awesome to see him doing it and it brings more exposure to mxgp as a byproduct because he is the world champion and yeah. And if one rider can do it, it's pretty much him, isn't it, mate? With the technical gifts, he's so smart, he's intelligent. He's a safe rider too, isn't he, mate? He's so measured, doesn't crash much or doesn't really have any big crashes and very disciplined and meticulous with his preparation. Like he's so fit as well. So once he gets those few more weeks adaptation, mate, A1 will just be fascinating because it's really not far away, is it, mate? So we'll just watch that with interest, watch this space. And I think the whole world will be watching to see how that plays out, mate. And obviously the Coonan brothers are announced that they'll be staying in MXGP paddock for a little bit longer next 2 which is a wise move yeah. definitely a wise move from your decision mate those boys have still got a lot of growth and a lot of sort of maturing to go before they sort of make that massive step isn't it mate so that's a smart move keep them in the family so to speak with the KTM group superstars of the future but yeah I think they still need some time don't they and they've obviously recognised that so good decision there too.
0: Yeah yes yes I I, I agree you know um, I was uh, it's not a secret that I was talking a few years ago already uh, to bring them to the Bedini team uh, it was a really, really difficult uh, conversation with the father. I have to say, and he's a really nice person. But uh, he knows what he, he knows really what he wants, and he knows that uh, um, they, his sons have uh, incredible potential. So he was really like pushing so hard to uh, convince uh, everyone uh, to to uh, to give to to his boys the best possible. Bike the best possible facilities, saying to everyone, "Yeah, we will do a couple of seasons here, then we we'll go to America." Uh, that was the first sentence. That honestly, to me, it wasn't the smartest you can you can you can say because then say, "Okay, why? So we do a big investment on you if you want to leave." And then uh, you understand the potential of uh, of a brand like the Peer Mobility Group that can say, "Okay, we take you, we invest in you, and then we will." Use your talent on the other side of the ocean. But that's possible only when you're a big factory. Because when you're a small team or even a normal team, why you should invest so much in someone that will leave in the next couple of years. Uh, But then um, when you start winning and you start uh, doing well your job, I think uh, it's more difficult to leave, you know, Uh, because like Jorge, he, he, he honestly he won everything he, he, he could have won, so he feels that that's the next step to do. Uh, uh, someone like Vial didn't wanted to, to swap on the 450, so that's the, was the key to go to America. But the the, the brothers, they didn't want anything till now, no European 125, no European 250, no MX2 championship, so. I think they still need to build up a little bit of career and that's a smart way to do it and then keep training some time in Supercross uh, at home and then taking the decision at the right moment. Uh, being world champion in MXGP today, I think is the most difficult challenge you can uh, uh, approach uh, on a motocross bike because the level is so incredibly high that it's really the, the biggest Challenge you can, uh, and that's why I respect a lot uh, the decision of Jorge because he, he was just keeping trying till he won, and then he won. He went away. He, he will uh, going away. So uh, I think it's a right decision from the Kunan brothers to stay a little bit more, and then to uh, see if it's uh, possible to move to USA one day.
1: Yeah, excellently said, mate. Obviously, something to be said also for staying here and focusing on your craft of motocross, which is what you've done. Your whole career to get to where you are. So, I guess sort of change a new discipline, it's a massive decision, and you really need to have everything in place before you make it. And yeah, it's a really good point about the KTM group giving the platform for the riders to move abroad and to do that sort of freedom within the platform there, because it's not, you know, something that many teams or riders have the opportunity to do. So, they're obviously very smart in their talent recruitment, how they manage everything. So, great for the riders, but you got to give them credit for setting that whole system up too. So, another sort of headline dominating, you can talk on that as well, but another sort of thing that's dominated the headlines, mate, the Ducati, Cairoli, lapino the big triple threat there, mate, big announcement coming from them. It'll be fascinating to see what they have in store. And I'm sure you probably know more than most people, mate, in the English-speaking media. So your thoughts on that, mate? It's going to be <laughs> fascinating seeing such a heavy-hitting brand like Ducati hitting the motocross
0: world. Honestly, that was the biggest news uh, since, I think, 10 years uh, to now, and even more probably because when you see a brand like, Ducati coming into motocross, that's something that is great for every one of us. I mean, it's great for the sport, it's great for uh, in front, it's great for media, it's great for everyone. And it brings up the level of the sport. That's uh, uh, even if they will not succeed, for example, or they will stay a few years only. It's a massive, massive uh, push for for all the movement of off-road. We know for sure that the project is to do a good bike, a different bike compared to the others. And that's something where I think the the story become more exciting because using a Desmo engine in motocross, it never happened before. And uh would be interesting to see, for example, you know that the Desmo is an engine that runs a really high RPM, but really high RPM is not always the best for motocross get traction to get but they for sure able to then put down this power on the ground and to transform it in traction so it, it will be really i think it's a different approach uh, compared to many others it's a different approach and it's really interesting to see how they are doing it for sure, like everyone is uh, starting a new project and uh, making comparison with all the bikes available on the market. Even uh, the guys from Starmark, uh, they started like that, just buying all the motocross bikes available on the market and trying to uh, take the best out of each project. Uh, that's I think, was at the beginning the key, but then they decided to go by their own way uh, and, and to do a, a product that uh, um, will first of all fit the market because it's not easy to sell motocross bikes today uh, you cannot do it honestly a copy of a ktm or a honda uh, because you, you must give to your clients to your customer a reason why to buy that bike and today color and brand is not enough so uh, i think they decided to take the right decision to make uh, uh really high standard level bike probably will be the highest of the motocross market. So probably the price will be also at that level. But using only premium uh, stuff on your bike, the best uh, exhaust possible already on the standard bike, the best uh, uh, injection uh, uh, system available on the market. The best suspension available on the market. So they, they, if you, I was concerned at the beginning. I was asking myself what kind of suspension will they use because they use alloys on all the bikes they have on the market. And alloys is not involved in motocross since now probably ten years. The last one to use it was probably team, Rinaldi team, but since then there's not development. There's not so difficult to to use a material that you use only uh with your bike and then you have no comparison and maybe kayaba because they use on the Desertix, Uh the kayaba the, the, the bike come out with kayaba so especially that was already the first big step i think uh, the, the X is uh at the beginning of the, the history that is the desertics uh because uh, then they decided to go to showa why probably because it's the premium stuff you know to use for the production bike. So for selling a bike with the premium components, you need a Showa super suspension. Uh, and that was a little bit the key. Then, of course, Showa, they have a lot of experience uh, in uh, in motocross, in races with Honda and with all the other teams they supply with, uh, like Kawasaki. So that's why they there uh, and they they decided to, to work with them. Of course, they will uh, run with Pirelli as all the production comes out with Pirelli. All the racing is with Pirelli, a part of MotoGP, where there's another brand that they have to use that is Michelin. But for the rest, they have an agreement with Pirelli, with all the bikes that come out from production, they need to uh, they, they have Pirelli as first uh, uh, use. So I think that uh, the project uh, was uh, made first for the market and not first for the racing. But as uh, the, in the DNA of Ducati is always racing, they decided to make racing. The bike is running since two years, uh, existing since two years and going around since two years with test riders. What is amazing because nobody knows nothing. And so they were really good on keeping everything secret. But this means also that there's not a choice made yesterday And without any programmation, without any, there's a huge solid program behind and everything was scheduled in the right way. I think they were trying everything, every kind of chassis, every kind of swing arm, every kind of suspension till they got the, the good, the right pack, you know, with everything fixed. And still now, for example, the bike is running without the number plate because Whereas normally the number plate, there's a a plate with all the sensor for the recording data. So that's telemetry at the highest level coming from MotoGP. And taking to motocross, uh, there's plenty of testing, plenty of little things to fix uh, that will uh, require a lot of work. Not sure if they will be ready to race already uh, at International Italia, I don't think. I think that it's a really a small possibility. But there is a, still a possibility that we can see them with one bike, maybe International Italia, or uh, at the Italian Championship. Uh, let's see if with both riders Lupino and Cairoli. Uh, of course, Tony is not there to be a rider, a, a proper racer. You know, uh, even if he's a racer uh, on his uh, on his brand, but uh, he's there because. Uh, he, he, I think is uh, looking for another challenge a biggest challenge um, being able to to give uh, your contribution to uh, something that will remain in history forever uh, the first motocross proper motocross Ducati bike going to MXGP going uh, to Supercross because don't forget that the program is mostly uh, focused, uh, a part of the production, so selling bikes, to go racing America, more than MXGP, because the biggest platform today to sell bikes is America. So the focus is there. And that's even more exciting. Imagine Anaheim 1 with a Ducati on the 450, with maybe a top rider. Wow. That was just wow for me, you know? And uh, something that we were dreaming about. And similar somehow to the first KTM 450 that was, I mean, 350 at the time probably that was uh, uh, in at an i one uh, with uh, uh, in 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 supercross, you know, racing in supercross. So it's uh, it's amazing, it's exciting, it's great. They had the they first test together all together the team, the development team. Uh, and uh, uh, the two riders it was in Sicily. It was on um, thirty November, 30th of November, 1st December. They were going around in two, two three different tracks. Good sensations, good feelings. Uh, that's a nice group of work uh, with the uh, Madi staff and Ducati staff and uh, the riders. Then Martino Bianchi is on the top of uh, of uh, the program not of the project of course because on the top of the project there are uh, engineers but on the top of the program there's Martino Bianchi we tend this uh, structure made by Marco and Corrado Madi Tony and uh, Alessandro are really like big friend uh, like for life so that makes uh, the job a little bit easier and they went to sicily they went uh, uh, doing testing that were really positive of course uh, the, the 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 key was not to make a good performance, it was to have a good feeling with the bike and to see uh, how is the potential of the bike and what they can uh, do for future, uh, for close future to, uh, to make it uh, happen. Uh, what makes a big difference to me, but then it's only from outside because we know just a little part of the story, is the difference between the, the approach of Ducati and the approach of uh, Triumph. That is way different uh, um triumph will not do any preseason race so they will not compete in any of the preseason races they will start anaheim one in less than one month straight without any race done before and they will start mx2 in argentina on the 10th and 9 and 10th of march without any other races before on the other hand, you have a brand like Ducati that will do probably a few races. They will do one Italian championship. They will uh, try to see how is the the, um, the story before uh, being involved full-time in uh, MHGP and Supercross. So that's a kind of different approach. I'm surprised with Triumph to see that, uh, uh, for example, they used in Europe uh, as a test rider, development rider, Clement de Salle. Fantastic rider, the only one that never rode with Dynamics 2 in his career. Okay, I was like surprised. Then maybe it's the good one that can give you really the perfect feedback. Huh? The motor, the, 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 the Ducati bike was probably made mostly by Antoine Mayo, that is an enduro rider and a car rider. So uh, I w- wouldn't say that uh, uh, it's a bad choice, but it feels strange to me that uh, they put in the hand of uh, the only rider that never did MX2, the development of uh, an MX2 bike. Uh, and they will do straight races without any kind of uh, preseason races. But it's a choice and uh, we must respect this choice and maybe they just write and they have a fantastic buy fantastic product uh, uh, ready to race uh, to use the words of uh, another <laughs> not a, a manufacturer it's it's always difficult they they found out this you know motto and uh, uh, ready to race is really the perfect one for fits to everyone but mm. you can use only with ktm <laughs> but anyway uh part of the jokes it's uh it's so amazing to see to uh, big brands like that, uh, not used to be motocross, uh, not related by the history with motocross, uh, approaching motocross. Uh, I was less positive than these few years ago for the future of our sport. I mean, not that our sport will disappear. That's of course, uh, I know the potential we have and what they are doing to keep us alive and to keep us on top. But looking at those two big brands approaching motocross uh, give us a lot of hopes for the future to all of us. The fans, uh, all the people that work behind the scene and all the teams and uh, the organizer. So it's a cool stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely, mate. Brilliantly said. There's so much great stuff in there for the fans to sort of enjoy and unpack from what you've just said, because yeah, I certainly learned some pretty cool stuff there about the bike being two years. That's quite a long time, mate. And obviously bringing guys in like Cairoli and Lupino just to sort of fast track, finalize everything, streamline the process, just that expertise and experience they have, that's priceless to them to be able to make that bike as good as possible. So really smart decisions being made, like you said, by them and you know, transferring and implementing their knowledge from MotoGP and other forms of racing and their resources to sort of make a pretty formidable package once it's ready. I'm sure it'll be really ready, like you say. Ready to race, that thing will be a weapon. And it's pretty important to remember that Tony still wants to ride. He loves riding. So does Alessandro Lupino. They love riding still. And doing that, and they're pretty much best mates as well. So that'll be a pretty dynamic duo developing that bike too, won't they, mate? So I reckon that no stone unturned approach is going to pay off for Ducati.
0: Yeah, I think so. And um, for what concerned Tony, I think it wasn't um, an easy decision. Uh, because uh, we have to, to remember that uh, since 21 years, Tony uh, is living in Rome, is living with the De Carli family. He's not the writer of Claudio De Carli, he's almost his son. And Claudio and Ornella are almost uh, his parents. But uh, taking this uh, decision uh, was honestly a, a brave one, you know, because he, he then... He, he knew perfectly, as he's one of the smartest person I, I know. He, he knew perfectly that, that uh, this decision will uh, take him apart of this family and putting a little bit by the side. Uh, of course, they still friends and they will uh, still be in friends forever, and that uh, will not change. But uh, the involvement of Tony with with, with the friends, with the family, with everything, was so deep. Is so deep that taking this huge decision uh, put everyone in a difficult uh, situation. I think for Claudio, it's probably the the, the worst one, as uh, for him, Tony is like a son, but he cannot, for example, receive him uh, anymore at home or at the team, as now is uh, is a rival. And uh, it never happened in their history since the first GP ever of Tony. Whatever Tony had done was with Claudio. Everything he achieved was with Claudio. And I won't say that everything Claudio achieved was with Tony because he achieved three titles with Jorge, one with Kiko Chiodi. So he, he did pretty well with, with all the riders. So, uh, But I think that a lot of things that today Claudio has are because of tony and because of this partnership that was magic was something really uh, i i don't see around me in the past 20 30 year something comparable to this 20 years together nine titles one gp of the nation and long term friendship one race one at every year since the from the first to the last uh, it's incredible. It's uh, massive, you know? And of course, it's still there. It's not destroyed. It was not put in the waste. But turning this page uh, was, wow, big stuff to do, you know? I think that this page was heaviest than anybody, even more than deciding to stop racing uh, because it would need the time to, you know... Uh, reorganize everything and find out new uh, um, balance of, of everything, family, friendship, work, rivality. So, but Tony is like that. Tony um, needed a new challenge, but many people uh, ask me, ah, but why didn't say?" Because then it's okay. Social media, I, I hate the, 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 the just the haters uh, and the uh, the shit storm that sometimes happened on uh, on the social media. But like uh, I saw half of the people saying, "Ah, KTM, they so stupid, so silly to let him go away. They were no able to uh, give him what he needed to to have." And on the other hand, the the other the another part of the follower were like, "Ah, oh, Tony is uh, really not grateful. he's a bad person. Uh, he need to be more, you know." Uh, to give more reward to what KTM did for him and give it to him. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. The the guy is a rider and he's a racer, but I think that KTM could do whatever to try keeping him happy and in the program, but wasn't this. He needed something different. He needed to turn the page. He needed to... uh, it, it, it was, I don't know how you say in English, but you know, when you, you turn 18, you major and you start feeling this kind of feeling to go away from home and to build up your life by yourself. I think that for Tony was important uh, to really have a challenge, a deep one, a huge one, a big one and everything that you can put on the table, an Italian one, uh, a, I mean, a legendary one, but doing something by himself and trying to see, I'm really able still to do something great, or I'm just now finished and I just need to go on with new stuff, but more quiet. This kind of adrenaline that uh, goes into the veins of the rider at every weekend, at every time they jump on the bike, uh, when you stop, uh, you still need it. It's a kind of drug, it's a kind of uh, really something that you need. And so, as as I said, Tony is one of the smartest people that I know. And behind him, there is one of the smartest women that I know, that is Gilles. And that's the one that uh, will probably be able to keep everything uh, in one piece with the Carly, with the family, with the friends, because she's not only smart, but she do everything always for the best of Tony, for the best of uh, everyone that is involved. Uh, But in the meantime, I think that for Tony was really important to have this kind of new challenge, new desire of uh, proving something. Uh, And he want to ride. He want to ride every day. He's in love with the bike. He's in love with doing his job. And uh, what was not anymore uh, loved by him was to going on the gate and to have every weekend the same routine. Doing practice, doing stuff, doing uh, and being scheduled so strictly. Uh, Tony, uh, just to give you an example, he had a few chances for you to to try uh, the the road racing uh, with with the cars more than with the bikes. But he did also testing with Valentino Rossi Yamaha. Uh, he did testing with uh, the KTM uh, MotoGP bike. So and his first impression at the end of the day. It was, oh, wow, braking, fantastic, uh, acceleration, incredible, but so boring because you need to be always on the same point at every corner, braking, always there, uh, open the throttle always at the right moment. There was no fantasy. And it was the same with the cars. It was riding racing with Lamborghini on track in Jerez de la Frontera, did pretty well, but was so boring for him. Rally, on the other hand, it's extremely exciting. It's fantastic. Why? Because you have to invent something new at every second. You have to resolve problem in uh, thousands of seconds uh, at every corner, and you have really to, you know, build up something with your ability in, in, in and with creativity, with fantasy. With that's not question of uh, being super precise, super good, super... It's, this is not Tony. Tony is someone that is able to give his best while the conditions are worst. While he was winning the uh, rally legend uh, with the Lancia Delta, the the the, 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 the mythic uh, Delta Integrale uh, of Mickey Biason. Or this time with Colin McCree Subaru. So another kind of legendary car. And you know why he did? He made the difference. He made the difference at every time. The condition of the road were more difficult. With the with Lancia, while he won in 2016, if I'm not wrong, the first Rally Legend, uh, he, he had a navigator uh, next to him that w- was a, a proper navigator from Rally since a long time, and he asked him how it was possible that in the complete fog he was breaking at exactly the right. Moment before turning into a corner that nobody could see, and he was giving the notes, of course, uh, well, while the, cor- the corner was coming. But then, you know, you, you see if a rider is go- a driver goes into the corner perfectly as he see or as he feels because the navigator is saying that there's a corner that you cannot see. So, Antoni said, You know, while we passed two days ago, uh, I saw uh, a sign on the ground, a little sign on the ground. And I would take this as a reference. So while I saw the sign on the ground, I just turned the steel wheel and I made the corner. And the guy was like, oh my God. And again, like, I don't know, three, four seconds only in that corner, compared to all the other professional rally rider and he won against the pro rally rider. But because that, that's his ability. So I think that what he need to come back on the decision that he did, is to make something new, super exciting, and a little bit to jump in, in into something so new, but also to jump, you know, in, in the empty, as we say in Italy, without uh, any kind of uh, protection wire behind him. This kind of feeling of uh, really being free and, and to approach something that only you can do it in the right way. And I think that with this knowledge, he can bring to this project something enormous. And I think that the team uh, and the brand, uh, the manufacturer, they take him for this reason, because they know how much Tony can bring to them in terms of knowledge.
1: Yeah, well said, man. That's awesome insight into, you know, why he's such an awesome rider and why he's going to be so good at what he does and just the way they see things and, you know, the sort of instincts and the invention and the sort of things that other people see. It's like we say with the soccer tactics. It's like, are you watching the game? Are you watching the game? It's like with Tony and the bikes, isn't he? He's just obviously got that that little bit of extra, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, I think that the instinct, the word you used, is the perfect one because Tony was uh, driven on one side, by instinct in, in his career, and then on the other side, he has Claudio De Carli, that was uh, the 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 kind of uh, you know uh, ratio, the the uh, the brain that was. But Tony is super smart, but the instinct is so important for him, and to to be able to uh, just express this kind of. Uh, 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 instinct is—it's uh, fantastic, it's incredible, and it's what he it, it really need uh, to be happy uh, and to, to to feel free. Uh, and that's—it's—it's uh, it's not only pure talent, you know. There is something more. Uh, I remember while I was writing his uh, a biography that uh, maybe we will need another chapter with the Ducati yeah. <laughs> history in a couple of years. Who knows? But I remember that I was trying to analyze the start uh, at the time. Tony was a kind of Prado for the starts. It was always fantastic. But sometimes start uh, doesn't come so well. But in fact, it was his kind of ability to being into the start at the top of the speed and seeing everything like in a slow motion. Uh, so while someone doesn't see nothing, like me for example, I'm so uh, excited, so confused in that moment that I don't see nothing. So I just maybe push in the corner or being just let the other pass because I'm scared. So those can be the two reactions. For him, everything goes slow. It's a kind of slow motion while he's able to analyze uh, at an incredible speed uh, all the position to, of all the riders where to put his uh, bike with, where really to be at the right moment and then to corner in first. And that's a kind of ability that only few have. Uh, and uh, and Tony's uh, is this: his pure instinct from one side, and on the other side, is uh, so incredible, uh, in smart that he can uh, think everything uh, and analyze everything is around him.
1: Yeah, it's so true what you say, mate. And even though it's sort of a venture into the unknown, it's just a really exciting time for him and a great asset he's set to be for Ducati. And like you said, mate, those intangible characteristics. You can't teach them. They're impossible to teach. They're just so invaluable. So, yeah, that's what Tony's, you know, that's what his career's been, you know, a big testament to it, just having those attributes that make him such an awesome rider and a yeah. great competitor and why he's been so successful. And, yeah, definitely going to see more success coming his way, mate. It'd be really cool to see the journey of Ducati and Tony and Lapino as well, mate, and, and all the team associated with that project. So we'll watch this space. And a couple more before we let you go, mate. Obviously, I'd love to hear your thoughts on a couple of Italian riders. Obviously, Guadagnini in the same family, but switching to the Hustle. Varner made obviously made some great strides last year on the Gas Gas in the four fifth. Pretty much since he's moved up, he's made some pretty good strides, but he was especially making those great strides, that Spanish podium. And then obviously the injury sort of curtailed his season quite a lot. And he obviously never got back to where he was, but expecting big things from him this year, obviously changing the program up. Still expect him to have a lot of fun and just enjoy himself maybe a little bit less so being based probably more in Belgium than Italy so we'll watch how he adapts to that but yeah he's always great for the sport really good guy to get the fans engaged and involved and just a really good promoter of MXGP in general and obviously just the news this week dropped that officially Ferrato finally confirmed for standing construct and all the signs were that he was going to stay with KTM for most of this year weren't they mate so really great pickup for the standing construct to get Ferrato obviously he's mixed it up with Hurling's passed him many times in qualifying and racing he's very comfortable in that top set of guys probably should have come away with an overall podium for sure really awesome rides in the end of the season there so yeah those two guys your thoughts on them Maybe be really cool to see them battling it up and why not they should be able to get more podiums for sure
0: yeah first of all i'm happy for both of them of course because they deserve good uh, good ride uh, for mattia the, the change is huge uh, is the hugest he could do uh, because uh, he's moving from uh, one bike to another that is for sure really similar but in a completely different team, complete different ambient, but still close to his old family, his old team. So I'm pretty sure that he can do pretty well. Uh, it's maybe what he needed uh, to, you know, make the next step. Uh, because sometimes when you are too much in comfort with everything, it's difficult to express yourself at the best of your possibilities. So sometimes uh, people, rider, uh, athletes need to be a bit more in an Uncomfortable zone, we'll say, to then express themselves uh, with a kind of different rage, a kind of uh, different hunger. Uh, because Mattia, basically, as I, I told you many times, uh, it's uh, one of the most special person in the paddock. Uh, it's a really smart guy, really sensitive. as a kind of uh, really special character that is not difficult to find in in. uh uh, such a uh, ambient, and uh, and I really like the way Mattia is and Mattia express himself. Uh, but uh, I think that this kind of uh, challenge, uh, being in Belgium uh, uh, with these still with his mechanic, uh, that is also nice that they still together in this new new challenge uh, can bring him something different, something new, and it's a kind of new. Uh, challenge to, to afford so I'm pretty sure that he will do well it was so nice yesterday he showed uh, to everyone his new helmet uh, so the Y2 Squarna Red Bull helmet super cool but the most nice things is on, behind the helmet there is a kind of uh, uh, little paper really little yellow paper you know like uh, uh, the one that the note uh, that yeah. you put on the fridge and with, with the uh, is is um, with, with a draft from uh, Chase Cairoli, and is uh, the bike with one o one. So it's Mattia riding, uh, seen by by Chase Cairoli, and uh, this uh, this this says a lot about the character of Mattia that is always looking for something special, something different, something more kind, more nice, and uh, I really like this uh, this way. So I really hope. That is able to succeed for the sport is great because finally we have uh, again an Asquarna 450 factory on the field and that's honestly really really important uh, because we need all uh, the, the factory bikes uh, 450 on the uh, at the gate. For what concerns Alberto, the situation is a little bit different. Uh, I mean, uh, I think he was trying to remain with uh, with the KTM group, and honestly, I don't understand why. Uh, KTM that didn't give him uh, the chance to ride the factory bike as he was doing this year but in the factory team to me it could fit perfectly there uh, it showed that the performance are very good He showed that he's able to to do it very well and I hope I'm not wrong to me I feel that the, um, the KTM fits him should seem a little bit better than the Honda Uh, with his physique, his characteristic how big he is, how tall he is how how heavy he is this bike maybe can uh, suit him a little bit better than uh, a Honda Uh, I saw like Brian Bogus riding with KTM then switching to a Honda was a nightmare season so I really hope that uh, uh, Alberto with his strength his force uh, is able to uh, to go on top of the results uh, and to to bring this bike where uh deserves to be because the bike is very is a really good bike we saw it at the beginning of the season next year last year sorry with uh, brand van with uh, Paul jonas while he was an injured with many riders at the beginning of the season were performing very well what it means that the bike as we know is a, is a good bike uh alberto started his uh, racing history with honda 2013, I remember him in the Honda 150 uh, European Trophy, uh, competing alongside with other riders and finishing, ending his first season in the second place behind uh, a certain Filippo Grigoletto that was winning and then a little bit disappeared. Uh, and uh, don't forget that this championship uh, uh, was uh, then the championship where in 2017 Andrea Adamo was uh, winning and then uh, Emil Weckmann also was uh, was there. I saw yesterday uh, that few years uh, in between Alberto and uh, and Andrea there was, for example, uh, Rick Elzinga competing uh, one race and doing pretty well, but with the Honda 150. So it's amazing to see how many young talents were just going around that that, that little championship. Uh, and then he was moving into uh, EMX 250, and he was doing it uh, with Honda, with Asso motor and then uh, he moved into MX2, and then he was building his career in MXGP, starting from like 18th, then 11th, and then this year seventh, doing better, 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 better. So I think that he's at, at his best potentially. Uh, I, I I really like uh, Alberto, and uh, I feel that he's a fantastic person. And uh, uh, but when you see in in a championship, Geyser, Prado, Erlings, uh, see where I honestly don't see him fighting for the title but that's to be really honest but as you said perfectly said this year was the only one that was able to challenge uh, with the same bike jeffrey erlings in few occasions it was even able to pass him back and to go away what is not common so the potential of uh, alberto is fantastic and uh, i hope that he can just Uh, feel good with this bike uh, feel good with this team that is really professional and being always there uh, at the top to just confirm uh, again himself in the top 10 at the end of the championship
1: yeah, those two guys watching how their seasons play out will just be awesome, mate. And yeah, cheers again for that awesome insight there, mate. Couple more, obviously, the beta. Watson and Monticelli will form a pretty cool team. Lots of fun to be had there. Evo's obviously making the step back to MXGP full-time. I think he sort of did that British Championship stint and he was ready to sort of come back to the world scene. So that's a really good opportunity for him and I'm sure he'll be grasping that with both hands. On his day, he's a, you know, top 10 runner for sure, mate. If he's happy, the bike's good. So we'll see how that plays out in their next sort of stage in their development beta and obviously fancy under the Vosters ownership, I guess, kind of partnership there. And obviously, Rowan van der Mosto making a step into MXGP and Glenn Koldenoff is a great pickup experience, great knowledge of everything from bike to fitness on, off, everything, he's just a master at sort of preparation, isn't he, Glenn? So he should be pretty primed come March, lots of time before then. Obviously, they're already going through their paces. You see them doing the big cycles, mate. So those guys are just fitness machines. So watching those two teams sort of how their seasons play out and where they sort of fit in on those programs will be another pretty interesting site because obviously making it inside the top 20 is going to be quite the challenge when everyone's fit in mxgp isn't
0: it yeah absolutely it's uh it's really uh, a challenging year because uh so many writers so many talents so many everything um for what considered beta uh i was a little bit mm, i would say not disappointed because it's not the right word but uh, surprised by by um uh, the performance of Ben as uh, I was really hoping that uh, he could do it uh better uh with a better <laughs> and um uh, sorry for the joke <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's uh it's a rider that I always was looking around for for being more performing uh and I was able in MX2 with Yamaha to do some proper races uh, while he was working um, very well. Now, I, I I don't know. It feels strange to see him. Sometimes he looks like a little bit scared to ride or, or to, I don't know. So it's a shame because Ben is really a good one and he's a good person. He's a good character. He's a, a nice person, really. So I hope that he, he can have a better season than this one. Uh, It will have fun, that's for sure, because with Monticelli, everyone has fun. Um, Both they were teammates of uh, Romain Fevre, and both they were few of the only good teammates of uh, Fevre, as the other one always struggled with him a little bit. But in this case, uh, Fevre and Monticelli, they had a lot of fun together, and uh, Fevre always said that uh, Monticelli was really, really uh, a good teammate, and the same was with Ben. So it's Curious just to see both uh, ex-teammates of Ever together. Uh, this will bring a little bit fun, more fun for, for for Ben, I think, this year. But uh, uh, he showed that he was really able to uh, switch to the Italian mode and able to to really enjoy the Italian life uh, and the Italian way of being. So I'm uh, I'm curious to see how it goes with Evo. Uh, Happy that Evo was able to find back uh, a seat. Uh, to the, for the full season in, in MXGP, as he deserves, as a good rider, as a good guy, is uh, uh, training well, and it's and a really good talent. So I hope that uh, the bike can fit him well. And uh, but as you said, it would be challenging, as it would be really challenging for Glenn and for Roan with the Fantic uh, to being always in the top ten because the top ten is really packed, as we. We, the names that are coming out are so many glenn uh, we know for sure that he's probably the most maniac uh, training guy in, in mxgp is perfect and everything he's always really you know careful of, of everything and that's uh really nice for from him and really good from him so it's uh i, I hope that uh that they can uh, succeed with the program the bike is probably not so different from uh, from a Yamaha XGP so uh, they will find probably they uh footstep uh easily uh without big big problems it would be nice to see what uh rohan is able to do at uh, his first season in uh, mxgp as i said last year many times uh he's like his body's ready for the 450 he's a tall guy big guy uh probably uh, performing better with, with with the 450 than uh, with the 250 i mean feeling better just on a 450 than on a 250 so It's interesting to see. It's important to see, as I said, that all the two 450 factory are on the field, because now we start counting and and the number of factory 450 on the field. It's impressive. It's just impressive. We will have two Kawasaki, two Honda, uh, one KTM, one Gas Gas, one Husqvarna, two Beta, two Fantic. Uh, So it's uh, wow. You know, it's uh, just we are counting like this. We're talking about 11 bikes, then we have two Yamaha factory buses, 13 factory 450 waiting for a Triumph, waiting for a Ducati or maybe two Ducati, two Triumph, uh, waiting maybe for one day, uh, two KTM or two Gas Gas. So it's honestly really, really impressive. And uh, we have to to give credit uh, uh, of this to Infront, to the work that they have done. Because every time that there is someone that is investing in your sport, it means that you are doing your job probably. So we are really critic sometime again, not against, but uh, uh, to, with in front uh, we, or, or with with FIM. But if today the the, the manufacturer in, are investing uh, so well in our sport, is because uh, there is a reason why, and uh, and we have to give credit to Infront and to FAM for this because uh, uh, it's uh, they are bringing the level uh, really probably higher than it never was. Yeah it's absolutely stacked the class mate well
1: said it's pretty amazing isn't it obviously final thoughts mate before I let you go because we've already clocked over an hour the time's just flown again (laughs) but Some pretty fascinating storylines. Obviously, Jeremy Serra on the Kawasaki, Blandron and Yago on the factory Yamaha team alongside Renault, who will be looking for a massive year. Probably put himself in title contention. He'll feel that he's a title contender for sure because he's an absolute competitive beast in that hurlings mode. And then obviously a fully fit and firing geyser will be fascinating to have him if he can stay fit for the full season. And then obviously Fernandez will be looking to build on a pretty impressive sort of uplift in consistency with his year, obviously winning the opener. So yeah, there's so many guys in there you know you can just run through the list and you could be here forever really couldn't you mate and obviously Bogers and Gilbert there's just so many guys Paul's Jonas if he can stay fit he can do some serious damage so and then obviously watching guys like we said with Iago Kevin Horgmo and Jan Pansar moving up alongside Van der so there's a lot going on there mate so take a pick at a couple of them mate and then we'll wrap this one up
0: Wow, that would be a difficult one. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I would say um, uh, rookie of the year for me easily can be Yago, As uh, he showed already that he was able to do fantastic stuff with the 450 at Red Bud uh, two years ago. So to me, Iago uh, uh, can be easily the, the uh, rookie of the season and uh, I think he's someone that can really... Uh, fight for the podium since uh, uh, the beginning, and that's uh, that's something um, really um, huge for, for for a kid that comes from MX2. Uh, for what concern the others is so difficult. I hope to see uh, good battles. Uh, I think that uh, um, for sure, uh, Team is in a key season, while uh, it will need to prove that he's still able to fight for a title uh, uh, compared to all the youngsters uh, for sure he is <laughs> the speed is there uh, when the talent is uh, of course uh, never never gone the speed is back there and uh, i'm really curious to see him again uh, contending the victory uh, i think that uh, is maybe the last occasion last opportunity for roman to be a title contender a serious title contender last year was astonishing what he did and if he keep, uh, if we can keep this momentum, uh, he would be honestly probably the most challenging guy for uh, Jorge, that as a world champion running with a number one, what is a kind of uh, another challenge in the challenge because uh, we know that uh, in the past this number one was not so lucky to many, uh, and then uh, yeah, uh, really curious to see. Uh, for what concern uh Jeffrey Erlings so uh, what he's able to do because uh Jeffrey was a he showed also this year that he was able to being I would say way faster than any of the anybody else but in the meantime he's so fragile that uh, little mistake uh, just bring him uh, down to nightmare again uh, like he did a couple of times this year uh so it would be a kind of Key season to understand if the old guard, like the old guys, and old, it's a big word when we are talking about uh, Geyser, hurlings, and Fevre. But of course, there's a difference of age with uh, Fevra, the oldest and than than uh, Geyser. But if those guys are still able to really compete and challenging for the title, the new one. Uh, on the other hand, so uh, Prado, Fernandez, uh, Gertz, uh, and all the the youngster. So it's a kind of uh, battle of generation, I would say. This year, it has always been like that in past. I mean, of course, while uh, Tony or the Sal or Polan were getting older, and the new generation of Geiser and Prado and blah blah blah, they were coming up. So it's always like that. But it's a kind of season where kind of. Uh, uh, things can happen. So uh, eyes open on, uh, on a mixed GP class because it can be really, really interesting.
1: Awesome, mate. Yeah, just before we let you go, any final thoughts, mate? What are the plans for the next couple of weeks, next couple of months? Obviously plenty of preparation for the new season with all you're doing and just tell the fans they can obviously follow you on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff, mate. So give yourself a shout out there too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I need to, now it's the moment of the season while I'm focused mostly on building my physical base, you know, so trying to train really hard to be most performing during the season and trying to, you know, be ready for uh, fighting for for the victory. So that's (laughs) that's the moment to build up the condition and then keep the momentum till the end and be consistent. That's the key, always. (laughs) That's uh, what uh, a rider will say. I'm feeling like not an athlete, of course, but uh, doing an entire season is a kind of competition I can tell you. So uh, it's a moment of resting, honestly, enjoying a little bit of family time, uh, take a little step uh, back, uh, but still with one eye on uh, on what is happening behind the scene. And, and yeah, we will see next uh, next what bring next year. Yeah, mate. Thanks again for taking the time. And obviously you'll be flying
1: at the test track in no time for sure, mate, as they all say at this time of year. So yeah, thanks again for joining us. I know it's been a massive year and we really appreciate you coming on again, mate. Before we let you go, we'll thank AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radio braces to performance cooling parts, such as silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of brake clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online. Also, big shout outs to Kawasaki Motors UK. Obviously, the KLX 140R range, which has been pushing this year, and obviously the KX 450, the new one that we've just dropped. There's a review on MX Vice website and the YouTube channel by Brad Wheeler, our tester. So, everyone, encourage you to check that out. And also, before we wrap this one up, big shout out to Whole Shop Motorhomes for jumping on board to sponsor the upcoming podcasters, too. Check them out online. Check them out on our website, and there's a YouTube video explaining the awesome Commander motorhome they have there. So, thanks again to all the sponsors and all the listeners for sponsoring these and making these happen. As well as thanks to Lorenzo for jumping on, mate, to giving up your valuable time. So, all the best, mate. We look forward to speaking next time.
0: Thank you, mate. Thank you, Ed. And uh, keep for the next uh, uh, for next year something uh, something new. Ciao, mate.
1: No worries, mate. Thanks again. Have a good one.